1: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this very special episode, we have Crow777 coming by to talk to us about all things amazing. Make sure that you check the show notes for him, guys. Crow777radio.com. Unbelievable show. On this particular episode, we discussed the lunar wave that he filmed that wiped across the moon in 2012. Uh, Also, the observed and measurable luminaries that Tycho Brahe discovered. Uh, The sky clock in our sky, the path of the sun, things like that also natural cycles and if you know anything about crow we really go for it on this one if this is your first time in your introduction to crow triple seven you're welcome. This dude is unbelievable, so you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, while you guys are checking him out in the show notes, check out expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's where you can sign up to become an expansive insider and get all of the bonus stuff. As well, uh, there's a value-for-value value system, so if you feel like contributing, support the mission link down in the show description as well is how you do that. So without any further ado, guys, let's get to this with Crow777.
0: Hit the accelerator. (laughs) We are
1: rolling with Crow 777. Sir, how are you? Um, I'm good.
0: Thanks so much for having me on, Brandon.
1: Absolutely. It's a goddamn honor, to be honest with you. So thank (laughs) you so much. Also, uh, just up top here, not always a fan, actually never a fan of the wars and why they occur. But I am uh, a big fan and have high reverence for folks who decide to join the military in service of their country and other countrymen and fellow humanitarians. So... I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service, sir, because I know you're a Marine. So thank you very much. And just wanted to get that out of the way up top. Also, fanboy out on you here. Huge fan, man. You're absolutely incredible. But for my audience that's not familiar with you yet, do you mind telling us a little bit about you, brother?
0: Okay, I guess I'll do the big rewind. Um, So I quit corporate life in... uh, right after the big 2008, you know, crash, tobacco, real estate thing. And uh, when I got there, I thought, well, how am I going to pay my rent? And then it came to me, I, I don't care. I want to do something I want to do now. So I dusted off my telescope that I'd purchased in the 90s. And I started filming like a banshee night and day and around, well, not around, on the actual true uh, autumn solstice in 2012, I accidentally filmed what's been coined the lunar wave. Uh, I held on to that footage for a year. I kept filming, filmed a lot of other interesting things. And finally, people kicked me enough that I opened up a YouTube account. I was a webmaster at one point. I was not thrilled with social media. Look where we are now. I knew it was coming. Um, but I posted it, and all hell broke loose um, immediately everything changed. I had to change my phone number. I had to change my email. Just everything exploded. And within 30 days, the flat earth movement fully kicked off and everybody was citing that video. So that's how I came to be so well-known. And since then, uh, my partner on Crow Triple Seven, excuse me, Crow Triple Seven Radio.com, Jason Lindgren, put together a two-hour real film on everything i filmed over the half a decade that i did film night and day all the interesting things and that's a movie called shoot the moon um along the way i i hung up my scope for a while just because it's so much work to do that people have no idea and i opened a podcast and the podcast too has been wildly successful and just so folks know anyone who's a member at crow triple seven radio at any level gets free access to shoot the moon and by the way When I first put out, shoot the moon, I didn't think anyone was going to touch it with a 10 foot pole because I'm saying what I feel about NASA. I'm saying, I'm saying what I feel about everything. And at first nobody touched it. And then Jason submitted it to like 30 film festivals to date. We now have 10 laurels have been awarded to that film. So the human consciousness is changing and people are more prepared to open their minds and consider ideas that used to be out of this world.
1: Dude, absolutely. And your lunar uh, wave, I actually brought up on a member's panel the other night. I was screen sharing. I pulled your TikTok up. So you're on TikTok. I'm going to be linking all the ways, of course, to find you. Uh, but I uh, pulled your video up and shared that and we were blown away. We were Actually, it was in reference to a Project Bluebeam Beam episodes that we were doing about mm. holographic technology and things like that. And so we, we showed your footage. And so it's fascinating. So do you mind walking my audience through the 26th of 2012? What happened?
0: um so so the 2012 lunar wave that's, yeah it's september okay, 26th so, yeah so oh i see what you're doing yeah so they announced the equinox like they always do on the wrong day later on i found out it was truly equal day and night on the night that i filmed it for a long time i thought it was tied to the equinoxes which isn't necessarily true by the way the first guest i ever had on crow triple seven radio just filmed the lunar wave two nights ago, maybe his name is Chris. Um, I I had him on a CD. Um, Rose could direct anyone. He did it in a live stream. Actually, Rose was watching the live stream, but he has also filmed it in front of Jupiter. Um, Someone else. I don't remember everybody, but it's been filmed in front of Jupiter, Saturn more than once uh, in front of the moon. I don't know how many times now. Uh, It was a hell of a thing when it happened because the world blew open wide. And suddenly I was on the world stage and I'm thinking what just happened here? And half the people wanted to say that I faked it. And the other half were blown away. And this went on for a year and a half. And then it started to be, you definitely faked this. How come no one else has filmed it? And then fate took a silly turn. I was the second guy, the second known guy to film it at the other equinox near the other equinox year and a half later. Um, and so, again, all hell broke loose, and then eventually people started filming. I remember when I was announcing, I think it's been filmed 30 times now, uh, a couple people tried, or, well, one guy in particular who filmed it said he saw a plane do it, but there was it was sketchy. Uh, the whole thing was sketchy, and when we called him out, I kept asking, well, how come no one else has seen planes? And I was pretty hard nosed about this early on. But the truth is, is I don't know what causes the lunar wave. If I was going to rename it now, I would call it a firmament wave because we know it's been filmed in front of luminaries, Jupiter and Saturn, which tells me that anywhere across the ecliptic or the path of the sun, moon and, and so-called planets, it's filmable. So probably it's filmable anywhere if you could get a backlight to see it. Um, but the point is um. If there is some supersonic thing that is silent, that is so fast, you couldn't possibly see it. But then I've seen other supersonic bow waves and they leave five waves, not two. Each protrusion on the plane, each tail wing, the upright tail wing, the frontal wing and the nose of the plane at that speed all leave up what's called a bow wave. So a lunar wave is always two waves. Um, they're crisp They're you know, they've happened when they've happened. Some of them are more subtle, to be honest, I filmed some where it's like, Whoa, did I just see that? Um, but as far as I know, nobody knows what it is. And my best educated guess at this point is it's a wave in the firmament. And I am on the record as having said, I think space would better be described as a liquid the Bible and other places also say that. So the firmament biblically speaking would be separating the waters from the waters and I think there's truth to that.
1: You know, I, I, it's a fascinating video. It's a fascinating perspective. And so we <clears throat> we have the Flat Earth conversation quite a bit here because um, we, you know, uh, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I, I want to get to NASA here in a second with you. But one of my favorite ideas about this, and I'm just curious about your opinion. Have you heard of this, the uh, Terra Infinita, the book? Uh, there's another one, Navigator Beyond the Ice Wall, that this gentleman created.
0: Basically, Um, is that a new book?
1: Yes. Uh, So, brand new, published this year. Um, It's Uh at uh, uh, Nos Confidon on um, Facebook. There is like his only place. And then TikTok's gone wild with this. That's actually how I I haven't read it. Yeah, I haven't read it. This idea, though, of this expansive plane, and basically that there's a lot of different realms or worlds. So, like, our world is right here, for instance. And so, basically, it describes that the extraterrestrials would then be not that far away. They would just be coming from the Pleiades, which is really right here. And then, you know, Orion, which is really right here, right? And so, the idea of this expansive plane is something that I find absolutely fascinating. That's one of my favorite ideas about the whole flat Earth concept, because I, I find it very intriguing. Uh, again, because I don't believe a thing NASA is saying. And again, I want to get to that with you. But what do you think about this idea of this infinite plane with multiple worlds that perhaps do have firmament or this type of energetic bubble, and maybe it's an energetic barrier that you can cross once you get to a certain level, us being so primitive here, perhaps it's not an option for us, and so we're a bit more contained, so we kind of stay in our own yard, as it were but uh, what, do you, what do you think about this idea?
0: So the overall idea, um, yeah, let's apply some logic. Some of the things you've said are a bridge too far for me because I'm all about boiling down an idea to the simplest I can think about it so I can get somewhere, and then applying the only truth I can find in this world, which is found in the natural world. There is no lie in nature. That's how I proceed forward. So logically, the infinite first of all we can't say infinite we can't i mean we can but where are you pulling that from even this you know,
1: is limited to 173 worlds it's like a cell basically when you expand the map out it's like a cell is what it looks like with all these individual little pieces in it and those would then be the realms or these worlds or accessible lands
0: in this so area. the logic we can apply to what we think we know or some of the things that we do know um are that first of all, you don't know how many continents there are, and that's a provable statement. Secondarily, you don't know the shape of the continent you're you're standing on. Uh, Tertiarily, you don't know how many land masses there might be. And so every one of those things that we can logically know and deduce from solid logic opens up the door to all the ideas you're going. Part of what happens is people start drawing maps and that's a supposition and people start saying, well, there's this much, many miles, or this much, or it's infinite. Those are suppositions. Um, It's fine to to push your thinking, but to present it as fact, that's where I kind of have a little bit of issue. And aliens is that, by the way. I have no doubt that there's probably other kinds of beings. Every culture from the beginning of time has talked about angels, dakinis. I mean, it goes on and on in meditation, all these consciousnesses you can meet. So, logically, I know that's an acceptable idea, because if I ask myself, is what we call Earth living? For me, that's an absolute yes, which means when I look up at other luminaries, is there consciousness? For me, that's an absolute yes. Um, this is not random. You know, a jet plane didn't fly through a junkyard, and this is the result. Um, this is conscious. You know, it's a consciousness, and it has rhyme and reason. And not only does it have rhyme and reason for us. It's the only truth we can find in this realm. Um, You know, it is what it is. Nature does what it does. Um, No man can change the stars, these kinds of ideas. So the door is open to all that thinking. And I'm glad to see people moving away from the spin cycle, as I like to call it. Um, And we'll see where it goes. But I would just caution people to, if you're making a supposition, then call it a supposition. You know, we think this is possible or... Uh, our IDs are leading in this direction we can't quite prove, but we think it's a solid idea. It's important because what we're trying to do here is leave fantasy. We currently live in a world where damn near everything we know is wrong. And in that, it means we're like a computer, bad data in, bad data out. In other words, almost every decision we ever make is coming from a place of error. And this is by design. Um, your mind precedes everything in this realm. And that's logically provable. And it's through so many cultures, I can't even tell you that statement. Even the hermetic principles start out with mental, you know, however they write it, the the mind idea. And so, we know this is true. We maybe can't prove all the way, but it's close enough that I don't have a problem stating it, um, that our minds help shape what happens here. And I think that's pretty much demonstrable, like look at right now, nobody's happy, all the system, no one has faith in it. It's like a wet blanket was thrown over the world. And, you know, it's it's a whole different vibe in our world right now. What's causing that? The minds of everybody, where everyone is mentally at. So, those are the ideas that I would lay down. And I guess I should probably back up the first thing I said. You don't know for sure what the shape of the landmass you're standing on is. If you go get a map say, a Gall-Peters, then grab a Peters, then grab the one that was in your high school. I think it's called a Mercator projection map and set them all next to each other. None of them are the same, which logically means none of them are correct, right? Just because one got used more than another. And by the way, in many of them, what's called Antarctica becomes infinite across the bottom. And, you know, they're saying, oh, we're on a globe and we had to do all this to make it flat. And well, I'm sorry. The moment you went to space, which you did not, And took a picture of a continent that should have been the shape of a continent for all time, regardless of aspect ratios or anything else. By the time you get into navigational maps, that doesn't matter anymore because you're closer into the map. You're looking at streets or mountains, whatever. So these arguments that are put forward, which are fallacious demonstrably so, teach us that we don't know for sure even the shape of what we're standing on. And when you come to that realization, then you're going to start saying, my word. How many land masses are there? I once saw uh, an ancient, what I consider ancient Buddhist map, and it showed 33 land masses. And this was an old, old map. And I've searched and searched. I wish I would have held on to it. Uh, it was online early on, and I didn't copy it. Um, I should have. I knew that we were going to censorship. But you know, how do you say that that's not possible? You really can't. You can't. Um, and so that's where we're at. And everybody's searching now, which is a good thing, by the way. Everyone should be kicking the walls.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what we do here on the show. You know, uh, your belief is the enemy of knowing. I completely empathize with that. That is one of our tenets as well. Uh, It just seems to be that these interesting ideas, and and just like you said, most of this place, I know what's not going on, but I'm not 100% sure of what is going on. But what's not going on leads me to the inverse questions of. So that brings me to NASA. What is going on with NASA in your mind?
0: Space agencies are a club, every single one of them, and they were put together to do one thing. This is my private point of view, and I can back it up, but I'm not going to right now because everyone has to come to their own conclusions. They're here for the single purpose of ensuring you know nothing about what's going on over your head. Descriptions, all of it, all of it, all of it. Um, I recently did a show on Tycho Brahe. um, and this, while well, I don't really have heroes and it's, you know, I did say that a couple times in the, in the episode, it's a little bit silly because it's, it's just something that I admire more than a lot of other things, because who the hell knows, maybe this guy was a tyrant. He lives, yeah. so you don't know, but you, we do have records of the work and here's what happened. This man spent his whole life. He was an aristocrat, by the way. So he had at different times of his life, pretty big finances to build observatories and things before telescopes and he got to, wait for it, 777 stars. Um, so here I am all this time later uh, covering him, I don't believe in coincidence, but a hundred or a thousand and or, or, no, what what was it? It's, I forget how many actually the data gets crunched on, but um, I did a show on him because how is it that a man who did all this observation, gave us all this information, who Kepler was kind of like his whipping boy, didn't know how to use his tools, stole or inherited all his data, and still backed up Copernicus who said, nope, sun's in the middle of it all, but Copernicus and Kepler's models were wrong. And that's what Tycho was fixing was Copernican errors. Like, wait a minute, there was supposed to be an eclipse and you're saying this is gonna happen in six days or something. Your your calculations are wrong here. That's what he went to fix. So supposedly Kepler took his information and is still trying to force it to jive with Copernicus. Here's the kick and the keister. Neither Kepler nor Copernicus ever did firsthand observation at the time, particularly Copernicus admitted, you know, this is all theoretical. This is fancy math. And that's what we got. And you hear the name Tycho Brahe, but nothing more. For my money, the solar system, so-called solar, where the luminaries reside and where they center to, to speak like I would like to speak, because I don't have the words and I don't want to keep saying planets, which by the way, used to mean little plane. Planet used to mean little plane. Um, but my point here is he gave us the so-called solar system layout that I accept. And some centuries later, another man who I listened to, uh, Rudolf Steiner, who is said to be clairvoyant and highly spiritually actualized, gave a nod to Brahi and confirmed. Um, and I do notice some slight differences, but what's interesting when you take Steiner's idea of spiritual hierarchies and then marry them to Brahe's model, man, in my, from my point of view, now you're cooking with oil. Um, so, that's the way that I view it. But the truth is, Lord knows what I will learn tomorrow. And if I learn something completely acceptable tomorrow that dents what I currently accept, well, guess what? It's all getting modified. There will never be a time when I ignore what nature shows me, when I go out into my yard. As a matter of fact, I set up my telescope for over half a decade every day with almost no fails. And I took a picture early on, just a snapshot of my system. Years later, I took another one. I realized, boy, that tree that I set up is really blocking more sky than it used to. And I hadn't noticed it. And it dawned on me at all at once. That tree is telling me the truth. There is never a day When that tree didn't grow and expand so how can i latch on to some idea that i like and freeze my growing and i committed to myself that i will never do that again and i'm not perfect like everyone listening i'm not perfect but that is my intended goal to continually grow and continually replace what i grow above Instead of latching on, I knew people in my life who had the same spiritual ideas, religious ideas, since they were 14, they were pushing 50 and nothing had changed. And I thought the tree proves that's not the way to go. You're not growing. You're not getting anywhere.
1: Dude, you, you nailed it with this. And this is why when choosing the name for this show, I had you know a few written out or whatever and expanded and all that good stuff. But I I've, I've firmly wanted it to be a verb. I wanted it to be continuing exactly like what you're talking about. So that we can have these kind of conversations and grow and expand together. I kind of feel here, you know, as individuated souls, spirits having a, you know, spiritual experience, whatever, human experience, that I kind of think, you know, I use the metaphor that we're all just kind of walking each other home here. And so if you can come together in a safe way and discuss these kind of ideas in an awesome fashion and uh, have the honorable, you know, Crow 777 on your show to talk about this kind of stuff, then you happen to be in a really nice position for yourself to expand your reality and to grow a little bit with these informational bombs that you drop out man that you know I refer to as choice points because whenever you're speaking about something, sir, you, you put so much effort and, and concentration and intent and love and focus into the information being conveyed in such an articulate, eloquent way that you can't help but stop and think about your previous belief about the idea before this information and then after it. So NASA is one of these for me. <clears throat> this is one of the reasons that people start questioning the shape of the Earth and stuff. Whenever you go through the examples of NASA, and again, I, I just kind of want to know specifically about NASA, where where they lost you. Um but whenever you look at stuff like that, you can easily say, okay, that's what's not going on. So what is going on? What are they hiding? And so that's my question. What do you think about NASA specifically and what do you think they're hiding?
0: So I would point out to people something that's overlooked that anyone can look up right now. NASA is government. Not only are they government, they're quasi-military. Do you need to really know more? Um, is there any government that you trust? wholeheartedly in this world right now is there any military and so you realize this this is about secrets and and perceptions and control but i got out of the marine corps just after the first gulf war and i didn't have a lot of money and i had i i was looking at telescopes but i didn't have the money and just by chance i ran into a deal where an old couple an old wife had had bought her older husband, I think in his seventies, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure. This complete scope set with the hard case, all the extras and he said, from what I gather, it's too much, take it back. So now there's this brand new open scope that went back and it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars less and I couldn't afford it. And for the first time, other than buying a car, I went into debt and it was big debt for me at the time. Um, I didn't grow up in a rich family, and I'd just gotten out of the Marine Corps. I think I left the Marine Corps with nine hundred dollars. Um, so I went and I got Sky and Telescope, Astronomy Magazine, all my old textbooks, and boy, if NASA said it, I was about it. And my God, look look at this Hubble thing! That's what I want to do. I'm going to get a telescope. I'm going to start doing astrophotography with film back then, much more difficult. And I'm going to make some pictures like Hubble did. And you get going. And over time, you think I'm a complete idiot. That's what I thought. I can't do anything like they're doing. And matter of fact, I'm not, I'm doing such a poor job at it that some of my things are not even in the same ballpark. A lot of them had the shape. And then over time, I began to ask myself, am I the problem here? Am I really that dimwitted? I've been working at this for quite some time now. And all these other things that they've told me don't seem to match what I'm seeing. And over time, I began to realize, and then I I forget what the actual breaking point was. But I remember at one point learning that The Hubble palette had been applied to the Hubble images, and this is before computers are widespread. So I'm all a palette. What the hell does that mean? And then I realized these are all fake colors. When I realized what it meant, those are fake colors. And people would tell me things like, well, you do the same thing. If you use Fujifilm, you'll get more of the greens. And if you go, but you know, I couldn't get by it. And that's when I started to challenge. And the moment I started to challenge, none of the bricks in the wall lined up anymore. That's how it started for me. And then I began to realize that this is a government agency. This is the people who told us we went to the moon. This is, you know, all the things I could lay out. And, you know, I I remember seeing the argument. Oh, I, I saw a guy questioning the moon landing, and he was an engineer, supposedly on NASA. And he started talking about how many tons of thrust or whatever it was from the launching engines. And he said, did you see the takeoff? He's all, by the way, who was moving the camera? And I'm all, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Who was moving the camera? Oh, well, it's remote control. I'm all, wait a minute. He goes out to his backyard with a leaf blower and he says, this is one, one millionth of the thrust or something like that, points it at the ground. And that thing kicked up a thing of dust. And you're told it was like baby powder. And all of a sudden um, it just clicked. Um, I realized all at once. And then someone said, where'd the moon buggy come from? <laughs> nice. And then it was just, it's all, how do we become so infantily foolable? This is obvious on the face of it. And, you know, so then you set about debunking. And at some point you realize this isn't even worth debunking. There's the kind of person who's stuck in belief. And there's the kind of person who wants to know things, who will question and be like an adult. Should I do this thing? I'm an adult. I don't need mommy and daddy. I make. I'm autonomous. I make my decisions. That's what we've lost. We've got a world of diaper-wearing pseudo adults walking around. I even see it in my neighborhood. We have like an association. It's not like a typical housing association. It's to take care of a throughway. When I was young in the '70s, all the adults said, "Well, we need to do this. Let's do it." Now it's like, "Well, oh no, we can't just spread this gravel or this rock. We we better hire a structural engineer." And I'm like, what is a matter with you people? You can't make the decision to hire a truckload of rock and put it right here. We've been doing this for 50 years, folks. um, And that's where we are. And that's kind of how it all began to fall apart. And the sad, sad truth of it is, is I went out. My wife was at the dentist. I went out and I have to wait like almost two hours. So I go to drive and, oh, there's a Barnes and Noble. Cool. Pull into a Barnes and Noble. I walk in, I'm like, hey, man can you hook me up with a book on Tycho Brahe? Cause we hadn't recorded yet. And I had read three books. I said, I'll burn out some more research and some Rudolf Steiner. And she says, sure. She gets in there and how do you spell Tycho and uh, what's Brahe? And it's just, and she's all, Oh, we don't have anything on Tycho. I'm all, wait a minute. You don't have anything on the man who is the foundation of a storm. Nope. Don't have it. I can order it. Okay cool enough. Just give me something on Steiner. Okay. Well, that will be in the fiction section. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) You're putting Steiner in the fiction section. Yep. Steiner's in the fiction, but we don't have any, but we can order it for you. And I'm just realizing why am I even interacting with the mainstream world as if there's some sane semblance to accomplish something. So I walk over to the magazine rack and the first thing that catches my eye is Sky and Telescope, my old beloved Sky and Telescope. So I grab it, I buy it, And I get out to the car waiting for my wife. And I said, I'm going to pay attention to every page. I got it to start looking at the improvements in sun filming tech, which there have been big improvements, actually. But I'm going to pay attention from cover to tail on how much of this is nonsense. I would put it at just about 90 something percent. Complete nonsense, complete trying to explain to you why geometry can't, simple geometry can't possibly tell you the distance of the moon, why these calculations for eclipses are wrong, and all this damage control, constant damage control in the guise of, I'm a smart guy in a white lab coat, so you will listen to the nonsense I spew at you. And then the the, the small percentage that wasn't nonsense is mostly star maps ideas about where things are located, and then the rest of it is ads for telescopes and other things like that. And I, I just, my jaw dropped. And I thought back to my younger self in the 90s, and I thought to myself, how many years did I waste on this complete nonsense, not growing, every decision I'm making based in error, dedicating my life to complete BS, and it's, it's astonishing. I wouldn't call it a
1: waste. I mean, it's absolutely valuable because what you did was you really dug in. You got a lot of data and information that you then went on to debunk to the letter. So you really, uh, it's not a waste at all, sir. You, you learned so much from that and you're, you're teaching so much because of the dig down that you did. So again, I don't believe in coincidences either or waste of time. Like It's all in divine timing and this is where you find yourself now. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So what's up with the sky clock? Path of the sun... Why does it matter? Uh, What's going on with that? I'm fascinated by this concept because this argument of like that the, you know, even uh, in astrology, like, or uh, yeah, astrology, all of it's been the same for thousands and thousands of years. So if we're hurling through space spinning, why isn't everything moving constantly out there? And why is it so consistent? So this idea of a sky clock is much more observationally valid.
0: Haven't you heard of Mr. Hubble? um the man who told us oh yeah everything's expanding at a couple million miles per second and it's just like god how did we come to this how did we come to this the sky clock was a word that i came up what i what i do and what you're doing is dependent on one thing if the forces above smile on us on a particular day and our effort lines up on a particular today, maybe we will be fortunate enough to string some vowels, some verbs, some nouns and sentences together in that weird way that's required for someone out there to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what just got said? And in my life, I've been told the same thing over and over and never got it till that one person just happened to string the explanation together in a way that was for me. And then all of a sudden the heavenly gates, duh, the angels blowing their trumpets. It's like, holy smokes, but that's what you and I do. And so when we think about the sky clock, I realized if I talk about astrology, the astronomers flip me off and leave the room. If I talk about astronomy, the astrologers flip me off and leave the room. I said, this is a problem. These two things in Tycho Brahe's time, there was no difference. Yes. It was all the same thing, and as was alchemy, as was spagyrics, which is the proof of the truth of nature inserted into what we now call science, which he was just observing the creation in his time. So, I came up with the word sky clock, and lo and behold, the heavens parted, and the angels played their little golden trumpets, and the astrologers and the astronomers could sit in the same space and reconsider, because what is a sky clock? somewhere deep inside me that feels right. I just don't quite get why it feels right. And so the sky clock is basically the arbiter of our existence. It's what it is. And as above, so below. All these ways we could describe the relationship to how we live in the 3D material reality that we are in. Uh, to the point where I was thinking of trying to roll out a new law because it occurred to me that there's no difference between angles and time. Did we get robbed there too? This nebulous idea of time, isn't it actually just angles? Really? And by the way, if I'm correct in my research, angles were actually a word used that got turned into angels by the Vatican. And then you can go back into Old Testament and find angels are the thoughts of God and these kinds of hidden things that we're not even sure how to think about because of the language barrier, because of the translation, which always loses something. But what it absolutely loses is the original intent. Because if I go to a different culture and I say, in their language, you got bats in your belfry, they're all, what are you talking about? What is a belfry and why would there be bats in it? If I come home in English, everyone says, oh, he's saying a guy's crazy. You lose all the the nuance of language. So the sky clock, as a matter of fact, Steiner put it really well, and I'm still wrestling. He said something to the effect that all occurrence here is a spiritual reality that's already happened. And so there's a lot more to it, and that's a very simplistic way to kind of spit it out on the table. But when you start to think about as above and so below, when you start to think about Am I just here to live and die? Are there truly spiritual ladders I can climb? I can get up rungs and is this place a boot camp? Do I get to graduate? Am I dying or am I going to have to come do this 8,000, 10,000, a million times? What's going on here? And you begin to realize that I have lived my whole life or a lot of it thinking, I'm just here to have a good time. If I'm happy, everything's hunky dory. Now, I don't think that way anymore. I think, where can I go? Can I graduate? What about all these people that claim to be so much more spiritually adept than me? What about all these hidden societies that were hiding all these hidden knowledge truths? Um, And I realized that's even a problem in our time. You say secret society, haters going to hate. Oh, those rat bastards. Look, You don't get to choose how those rat bastards live their life. You get to choose how you live their life. Here's the question. The real question is, do those rat bastards have something of value? Do they have something powerful? Do they have something that matters that you don't currently have access to? There's your question. You can either spend time spitting at them or you can try to catch up. Because I guarantee you, if they're graduated PhDs and you're still walking around in diaper, ain't going to come a day when you're telling them anything or pushing them in any direction. It will always be the reciprocal. You will be the pawn. So this is where we are now. And there's so much we can learn. And to top it off, we've had the nod by the heavens above or however you would say that our our conscious is expanding provably demonstrably we're not as foolable as what we once were and that's what's going on in the world this is a last-ditch effort if they can get the chains on get the iron fist they don't give a damn what you know but they got to get that because ain't nobody buying their bs anymore to use an inappropriate vernacular
1: you're welcome to speak how you'd like to speak, sir. Um, what do you think then is going on? What do you think is the level that we get to spiritually that determines in what amount of time and what happens if someone is there? Let's say spiritually, if they're in step with where they need to be at a certain particular time, what, what's going on with that idea?
0: I, the truth is I'm not qualified because I know how people view me. They don't realize that I'm just a man. That has the same problems they do. I'm married. I have the same problems that everyone has. They think, oh, crow's some mythical character uh, or whatever they think. And so, I'm just not qualified because if I say things, a lot of people will think that there's 20 years of research behind it, which there is, but it doesn't make it any closer to the truth. What I can tell you is I accept with every fiber of my being that this is a spiritual game we are playing. I accept with every fiber of my being that this is kind of like a boot camp and that we will graduate and go to higher I do accept that there are different levels I do accept and I have met people that appeared to be looking into my soul and I knew it and I knew they were so much more spiritually advanced than I currently was I could feel it I could sense it in them um, and by that time I was looking I once met a guy called a tolku the idea of a tolku, in the Tibetan Buddhism is a master who's passed away and then been reborn. Maybe they're a Bodhisattva too. I guess that goes without saying. So they've agreed that they're never leaving this place until everyone escapes, which I have real problems with that because that day is never coming. So what you're basically saying is I'll just stay here forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe someday it is coming, but I don't think it's anytime soon. But when I met him and I've been looking at these other guys, I met a rumpoche, I met another guy. um, I met them and I was purposely and he knew as I walked up that I was trying to gauge him. And as my eyes met him, I knew instantly he knows everything I'm thinking. He probably knows what I've done today. He probably knows what I did last week. And he just gave me a knowing smile. And there was serenity at a level that I can't describe. It's like, I want to say neutrality, but that's not the right word. I don't have a word. He's not excited. He's not sleepy. He's just in this neutral space of knowing and light. And I knew it the moment I met him. And so all these experiences add up to, well, where am I? And I had to face the sad reality, which I didn't want to at first. I wanted to make up lies and use my ego to protect myself. I'm wearing diapers. I am literally wearing diapers. I am almost 60 years old and I am wearing diapers. I was 30 something or in my 40s when I was still asking myself, do I feel like I'm grown up? How can that be? How can that be? My parents' generation were not like that. The men were men. The adults acted like adults. Unfortunately, they were deluded because they hadn't benefited from the awakening yet. But the point is, is they were not do-nothings, know-nothings. They, they could accomplish. They acted like adults. We don't see this anymore. And when I had to look at myself, that was that was it. I said, I can't live with this. I can't live being in diapers. I have to do everything I can to hold up my end of what I've been given here.
1: You know, Neil Donald Walsh was like 60 before he wrote the conversations with God series, and now he's selling like millions of books all over the place and he's changed, you know, the world for it. So, I, don't, you know, again, the wasted time thing, I'd, I'd like to relieve you of that burden, sir. I think that you're well, right on it's, time. it's not right it, Just time. let
0: me qualify that. It's not necessarily that it's the the problem is, is that I know this was imposed and I know we fell for it, but it's not just my lifetime. You're right. The, 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 the complete history of my lifetime is what makes me now. So I yeah. get exactly what you're saying. But I think of my parents. I think of their parents. My dad's father was a captain in the Navy during World War II. Well, I know something about the military now. I was in the Marine Corps during their last theater of war, as they like to call it on the news. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it's, it doesn't have to be this way. This is all a bunch of ponds in the dark, being treated like chattel, and it doesn't have to be this way. And what's going on now? It can't last. It can't succeed in the long run. But what is the long run? Are we talking 100 years? Are we talking 50 years? Are we talking 300 years? What are we talking? But nature has proven to me that anything that requires this amount of energy is unsustainable. You want to cover up the sunlight with planes that spray crap in the air? Go ahead. How long can you keep it up? You might do it for someone's entire life, but you're not doing it for three, four, five generations. It's Too much effort. You can't continue to do this. The return is not immediate. In other words, in nature, I expend this much effort to get this much back in some other way. It's an even spin on the wheel. At no time are you wasting it, no time, you know? And so I look and I see this is unsustainable, but that's not good enough because there's gonna be a lot of suffering now. And we know it, the train wreck has happened. We're waiting for a body count. Maybe the body count's not even complete, who knows? But in the short run, if we don't just simply recognize that everything's an offer and start saying no, probably the younger people in this world are going to pay one hell of a heavy price for what we did. The so-called adults in the room now, that's me. That's you. That's, you know, all of us who are supposedly grownups. What are we doing? Why are we allowing this to happen? I went out and I refused to wear a mask. I was booted out of so many places um, but it wasn't that I wanted to make a point spiritually. I could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live with myself if I did that. The Creator gave me my spirit. Your breath is your spirit. At no time will I squander what the Creator has granted me—the divine spark of life, my spirit, all of it—and. I was put in a position where now everybody's at odds in a way that I, it's not a choice for me. I cannot do it. I can't live with myself if I do that. And so it was a terrible time, but if tens of thousands of people would have remembered what was commonly known 50 years ago, that your breath is your spirit, maybe more people would have said, sorry. Um, And they didn't realize they thought this is a mandate. A mandate's not a law. And by the way, we don't have dictators. So a president can't make a dictate to the people. That's what the three branches of government are supposedly for, right? Uh, And everyone just forgot everything and they did it. And that's how we got here. But now there's a lot of people who have remorse, I think, with some of the choices that they've made, Um, but this is it. We are at the crossroads. What's to come for probably quite a while to come is being decided right now. And unfortunately, if you wanna sit and point and blame someone else, you forgot to look in the one place where you could have done something in the mirror.
1: I agree with every 100% of everything you're saying right now. What do you think about to the idea of that a couple of generations ago, people were way more controlled, way more uh, passive, and that something like this would have gone pretty easily? I mean, there there were a lot of examples of this in history of where they just kind of went along, and but it wasn't as forceful because there wasn't such a resistance. You see what I'm saying? It feels like now and through our generation, and the reason you and I have been planted in these vessels at this time here, is to facilitate. Take this awakening for those. Again, we're just all kind of walking each other home, is what I feel. And so right now is where we need to be due to the tumultuous nature of our environment. And I see this as like the Shiva moment for this idea that started well over a hundred years ago that's now led us to where we are, that was inevitable anyway. And it's to cycles, which I want to talk to you about here in a second. But whenever I look at this now, I see this as the Shiva time. This is the clearing out so that the new can be reborn. And it's a necessary part of evol- the evolutionary process, especially when we've led, been led so far astray. And when we had everyone roll over with the mass, with the mandates, with all of this stuff, with the lack of common sense. And it seems like, you know, that there's kind of a... Uh, Like a yin yang type model going here, as folks like you and I, and and people that carry our sort of genetic curiosity, um, you know, and question their reality and what they observe in their reality that doesn't jive with what they're being told, you know, as as that happens, that's an enlightening process which then spreads a little bit more enlightenment, but also in the inverse as well. You know, you got the duality here. So we've got a, a darkening, we've got an entropy, you know, as far as cognitively for a lot of society, and that's why we saw the rollover. So it seems, again, that, that there's this game almost being played here. Like you said, a spiritual—I'm not a fan of the word warfare, but what I'd like to say is like a game, you know, or like— um experience being played out here and you know there's white hats black hats it's more of a west world thing in my in my view uh but whenever you see this like swelling and de-swelling of these two you know inverse polarities you get this sort of these swell moments and this is what i think that we're in now so you know to to say that you know and i believe you know uh that you know comparison is the thief of joy so to look back 20 years ago and to say that we would have rather had that model imposed here now uh, it's a natural progression for us to go through this it has to go to this extreme for it to collapse in the way that it's so obvious. And this is why folks like you and I can see that it's so damn obvious. And so we're lighthouses, man. We put up our lighthouse and we say, hey, anybody that'd like to come, you know, at least hear a new idea here, we've got one. And those that really find this enlightening, as you said, we string a few words together that can light up somebody and just snap them out of this existence that they've been in and been trained to be in because, you know, these ego structures and these lessons that we have early on are super necessary for the survival of this environment. But I think breaking out of it and figuring out that it's all bullshit is part of the experience. And it's, it's a choice that you make here. And so we just step our lighthouses up and we say, here you go, guys, here's what you think about it. Now, again, to the cycles thing, uh, this seems to be a progression. It seems to be a swell, uh, an ebb, and a flow. If you kind of look back a little bit, and maybe this happens on these super long cycles, like what's marked as the procession of the equinoxes, or whatever. So, do you think that there's a cyclical nature to sort of the
0: consciousness evolution on this
1: place, in this place, this realm, whatever? It, it, we're it's
0: in? provable. And by the way, um, I'll accept your offer. I'll ride that bus. That was well said. All of it was well said. Um, everything is a cycle. And nature proves that there is no other way, because the only way for a thing to continue on without a battery, without a new tank of gas, without all the synthetics things that men and women create is to be in balance. Like nature shows us where water will become steam and one thing will become another and a tree will rot back into the ground and become soil for more trees. And it's an endless, perfectly balanced cycle, which we used to study with a method called alchemy. So what you're saying is provably true. And by the way, it's not just, we could demonstrate it. Did we have airplanes in the early 1800s? There's a difference there, what is it? We thought in new, more developed ways. Did we take it too far? Probably, and that relates to exactly what you're saying. As you and I breathe in and out, there is a proof that what you just said is true, the swelling and the diminishing everything can be related back to the truths in the natural world the problem with what we have right now is the synthetic nature of what's gone on so what we're what's actually going on is the people who have a lot of power and maybe it's not entirely people maybe it's just dark forces mixed up with some very powerful people which i think is probably the case but can i prove it i only know what i can sense what i can see What they're doing is realizing they can't be gods of this world, can't do it, can't make fish from scratch, can't make an oak tree from scratch, can't make a seed that'll grow a damn thing from scratch. And so what they're doing is they're creating a synthetic world and in the world of patenting or in the the natural law, the, the creator of a thing owns that thing that's universal. So they're creating this synthetic thing which is a pale shadow of the real world. And what they're attempting to do is make the real world so unpleasant that you're going to sign up for their little Ready Player One virtual reality synthetic show, which in fact, they do control. And will it last? No, man. If we could come back in the Kali Yuga cycles, by the time we've done another 25% turn on the clock, we'll be like some blip on an ancient radar. But the problem is, is living men and women have to contend now. And the suffering is going to come. And the sad part is the suffering is going to be based on what we decided was acceptable as a whole. But as you were pointing out the individual, which is probably subject to, it's like, it's like being in a, in a town. So even though you're a person or or, or a living man or woman living, like you live, you have your individual, what we'll just say is karma because people know what I'm getting at, but in your town, There's a larger group that you're kind of part of, and then in your county, then in your state, then in your country. So that's provable by, oh, United States went to war today. Well, guess what? You're kind of sucked into that in some, and even if you're not, you will affect, you you will see the effects of it all around you. And so the reason I'm pointing this out is because every day I wake up and I state my intent and I state what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and where I intend to be. And it's separate. From this kind of darkness. And it is my idea that I currently accept that I don't have to be within this paradigm. While I will have to experience the periphery of it, while I will have to deal with all the people who do accept it in my immediate vicinity, I do not. And this is the spiritual nature of what's going on. And Steiner wrote about this too. As a matter of fact, The Light of Egypt, what is it? A chapter about what they call the dark satellite. Steiner has a different spin on the dark satellite. There's, uh, what's he call it? Like the slums of the astral plane, or so I don't know exactly what he calls it. But apparently, there's bad neighborhoods in some of the higher spiritually. Develop places that aren't 3D reality, according to them. But what I notice is a commonality, you know, all the way back, Burgoyne's writing about it all the way up. Actually, it's not too far apart. Um, It was all at that. There was a little period at the end of the 1800s where all the supposed secret societies dumped just tons of information. And they all almost all said the same thing My master told me to do this because there could be some bad things coming in the future. And it kills me because I take it apart. I'm all, what the hell? Then you guys are responsible partially for what happened here. Why didn't you let people have this information a hundred years prior? Genius dudes who know know everything supposedly. But setting that aside, uh, people like Burgoyne will say, we went into the so-called age of Aquarius in 1881. Wow, that. That sounds convincing, right? Eight and one is nine, eight and one is nine, nine and nine is nine. That's a completion. And the Hindus taught us in the Kali Yugas, every end cycle is a nine. It always boils down to that completion nine, the highest number we can get in our little counting system from one to nine, Um, leaving the cipher out of the game. That's a whole other decision. But is it true? All right is it true so i've got it the six ways to sunday i suspect we are in what's called the age of aquarius for a lot of reasons but can i prove it no why because i'm wearing damn diapers just like all you listening to me <laughs> or most most of you listening to me i'm trying to get this safety pin off one side of my diaper so i can get one leg free for crying out loud yeah so we go back and we start to logically try to reason well, well what is true well here's an idea The last one, this is an air age, supposedly, if we are in Aquarius. People don't realize it's an air age. The last one was a water age. Well, let's think about that. Did we max out water technology? Within that last age, that's the way I think about it. Well, yeah, we kind of did. We did steam. We did all these things. In the Victorian age, they had incredible tech most people are not aware of. All in the Victorian age, coming up to the supposed end of the water age. Um, And so you're looking and you're you're like, yeah, it kind of does feel like we maxed out water tech. So now let's think about air. Did we max out air tech? Well, no, not really. We're still polluting the skies with engines. But wait a minute. I filmed all those probably lighter than air things. There's probably tech we're not even aware of. And we know they can levitate cannonballs and all kinds of things. So, so no, I don't think we've maxed out air tech. So that's kind of another logical way to try to figure out where we are. But does it prove a thing? No, it it doesn't definitively prove anything.
1: You know, and air as well could be uh, the propagation of waves, the breath, you know, uh, life, which is life force energy, the breath, more of that kind of ether energy, sort of this air sort of thing, this lighter than air type of technology, Uh, sound, um, uh, you know, propagation, wave propagation, things like that, Uh, compression, all of that, Uh, you know, and I would say, sir, that, you know, uh, even I. I would upgrade you from diapers to pull-ups at least okay so pull-ups are a step up you're a big boy now you know yeah and, and you get a cool design on them so they're a little bit more mature you know you get dark wing duck on those bad boys i'm pretty sure you know i, I had an idea uh that i just kind of wanted to bounce off uh of you here before i let you run uh so to this idea of reincarnation also you know to uh you and i having this um existential crisis with kind of viewing this place as a prison planet and i do not disagree with you sir it's it's easily the most terrifying thing to me whenever you talk about these, like, Archon soul traps and all this kind of stuff. Um, then, you know, perhaps maybe the Earth ride, some people, myself included in the past, have been looking at it too limited and too narrow-sighted. So I've been really practicing expansive thinking, and I wanted to apply it to this model of reincarnation. So. I kind of think here that, like you said, it's kind of a school. It's in in my mind. I'll take a little further to Bill Hicks's quote that it's a ride. I think that there's no true dire consequence after this experience. I don't believe necessarily in a hell. I think that that's created right here on Earth, and that it's a state of mind. You can go there right now if you want, and you can get out of it right now if you want. And so, if you look at it things through this lens, then and you kind of say, okay, we're here to learn, grow, and evolve. Uh, there's no real punishment for this, which means you probably signed up for it, or in its experience, or um, at the very least, perhaps a punishment in its own right because you're experiencing something at a harsh level. Uh, what I think on this is that whenever you look at things like uh, we're talking about cycles again, the procession of the equinox, and then you break this down into the Kali Yugas um, and all of the Yuga cycles, perhaps, you know, and just my idea. And so I'm just curious or just for thought seeds here, just for fun, shits and gigs. Perhaps you know, you reincarnate to the ride of 26,500 years, right? To this cycle, and you experience all things within any amount of lifetime equivalent to that time. Does that make sense? So you could choose. You're not
0: the first person that what you're explaining right now, you are not the first person to have explained. And the first version I read of where you're going is very old
1: what i've never heard of the gimme give gimme give this because it's maybe a former life of mine what what is it it's this?
0: either going to be uh you know what it's going to be uh, i read so many books maybe it's the christian mystics the guy's name is curtis c-u-r-t-i-s-s i'm guessing there's more than one christian mystic it might i don't think it's steiner i'm pretty sure it's not and it, there might be a slight reference in um Um, Burgoyne's book volumes one and two together called the light of Egypt. I think it's a Christian mystic and I think it's Curtis and I hope I haven't missed the mark, but here's the idea. You're going to come back here until you've experienced every station of the sun Currently, the stations of the sun are 12 in our zodiacal layout. That's why there are 12 apostles, because other than the religious ideas, it is also referencing the truths in nature, which we currently divide by not 13, because we don't use the moon anymore. Uh, Don't ask me why, because we should have at least three or four calendars, if we were sane, but we do it all by the sun, except the Vatican, who borrows the moon and the Jewish lunar, solely lunar cycle, when they got to place Easter. But the 12 stations of the sun. Those are the 12 saints. The devil's pulpit does a very good job of showing you the truth behind that, which he got through a hidden Masonic text, which he got his hands on. The idea here is that not only are you going to experience every gender, but you're going to have to master each sign of the Zodiac. So, the lion-like ideas, you got to master that. And if you do your whatever it is 12 incarnations or i think it was actually more like a 100 i don't remember if you do your 100 incarnations in the sign of leo and don't get it then you're not done you're gonna have to come back do some more leo and what's interesting about the idea is because when you try to apply it to how you see people sometimes we see a person we like how how could that individual be acting like that what's yeah. wrong yeah. with that individual but the truth is is if there is anything to astrology, which I am absolutely not in doubt that the energies that drive this place are there. When I took my first breath, I was inhaling the possibilities of the future in the spirit of that moment when I was created at the zygote and the divine spark of life came to be for me in this incarnation. The sky clock was offering the energies it was offering at that point. What we find is that there is so much variety and people called old souls sometimes because of the way they seem. And I can't discount that idea, but it's terrifying. Can you imagine? Even I, I don't even know if I've got it right. A hundred years times 12? Well, oh, I do know. Okay, I do remember. I, I'm pretty sure it's curse. You know the old, uh, what are the guys' names that come knocking on your door, the Jehovah's religious guys? Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses have the 144,000? yes. So the Christian mystics say the real truth to that number is what I'm telling you. When you multiply 12 by a certain number, you get the 144,000 years you got to spend here if, if you settle each sign of the zodiac in the appropriate amount of time. If you don't, you're going longer. But that's what I just remembered as we were talking about it
1: an incredible idea. I know I, I heard another appropriation for the 144,000 which is hilarious to me. If you add up any bishop or anybody that would obviously get a seat above you peasants, you know, uh, then the, those seats are already taken, you know what I mean? So anyway, but I heard also that the uh, chakras, The if you add up all the petals on all the lotuses on the chakras, you actually get 144,000. So it's it's like this <clears throat> another appropriation or way of viewing it perhaps more energetically. Um, and so, you know, again, it's found. In religious texts, but also it's found in very spiritual and not even esoteric. Like you could just Google, like there's, you know, my grandma knit you one, you know what I mean? With the chakras real quick. And so uh, they're very common. It's very out there and open. So again, it, it's kind of this crossover in the, in the themes there or a similar theme being uh, played out in different ways. So, um, I I wanted to ask just what, what are you looking forward to? Like, what is something that you are excited about and that gives you hope and that you are just excited about, man, that's, that's just something I
0: had for you. You know, I have glimpses occasionally and I'm not always right. I'm, I don't claim to be clairvoyant. Maybe this is the hint of getting the edge of it. Um, because I'm pretty sure people in diapers have a way to go before they do things pull up. But I sense that on the other side of this hard time is going to be a wondrous place. That's going to just blow away anything we've known. And this is what happens. So each day I try to get out down to the seashore where there's a nice negative charge um, and meditate and sun gaze. And just for people listening, don't Go, don't go out and stare at the sun if you don't know what you're doing. I always say it's like giving a baby a jalapeno. You wouldn't do that. You've got right. to know what you're doing.
1: 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after. 30 minutes There's, after sunrise, 30 minutes before sunset. Well, that,
0: Okay, that that's the right kind of ballpark. I'm at the point where I can do it midday. Um, Safely but,
1: for the audience if you're just starting out. 30 minutes. If you're
0: just starting out, you are only doing a couple seconds each day right before, right after rise and right before set. Right. Um, and it's very close, maybe two or three sun widths for those starting out. Um, <clears throat> but it occurred to me that the sun I am looking at today is not the sun I was looking at before December 21, 2012, at the end of the, the long Count calendar of the Mayans, and my mentor, one of my mentors, Fortune de St. Germain, my main mentor, described an event that happened which I can't really talk about, and he told me it three or four times, and then all of a sudden, I realized all at once, and it was at the, the solstice, the low point of the sun in that year. Everyone used to describe the sun as yellow, and you would go out, and if your skin felt like it was burning, you were already burned a little bit. For you to be able to detect, I better get out of the sun, you were already a little bit burnt. Now, the sun feels so much more direct, but when you feel that, you're not burnt yet. And the sun is white. There's very little sunspots and prominences, which they say is a solar cycle, but NASA's saying that, so they can put that in a pipe and smoke it. I'll do my own stuff. Come on what I noticed is it's a higher vibration than it used to be when I first started this. And by the way, when I started gazing back then, there was no way I could have ever went for a midday view. Um, I can stare directly into it with my UV glasses on any time of the day for as long as I like. Um, and believe me, don't, just don't stare at the sun until you've been trained. If you do this, you can go blind. You can, you won't go blind, but you will damage your eyes for all time. You'll burn a black spot or something like that. Don't do what I'm telling you I'm doing right. <laughs> to right. do as I say, not as I'm doing in this one instance, because it took me years to get where I am. And so it occurred to me all at once in a flash, as I had been doing this, that we're, provably in a higher vibration, the light of this world that guarantees life in this creation just showed me, guaranteed me that we're at a higher vibration. I can already detect it in the consciousness rise. And I realized all at once that all these low frequency, brutish systems that we had come to be used to, they got to go all of them. And the pain in that is because we don't like change. The problem is we don't like place in a chain that the change is nonstop human beings hate change. And yet we are constantly in change. There is never a moment. There is one thing in this world that I am aware of, and it is the highest standard and symbol for everything. It's gold. Gold is the only thing that does not change in this realm that I am aware of. And I don't know anything. It doesn't rust. It You know, it just it's gold. And that's associated with the sun, by the way, alchemically. So I came to realize in a way that I can't prove or explain to another, but that I accept that we are going to a higher vibrational frequency, that all the old brutish systems to include money and everything else gotta go at some point now. But what's worse is I always loved this old HG Wells movie, even though I know who HG Wells is. Not a helpful man for the average living soul. He wrote Time Machine and Rod Taylor's version. I used to love that when I was young. And as I'm watching the Time Machine, I'm sorry, I lost my track. Where was I going?
1: Time machine, HG Wells. Uh the fantasticness of uh going there mentally. And but you said it's not that oh, useful. Oh, oh,
0: yes. Okay, so so what it proved to me is that all those older systems have to go, which means on the other, other side of that, but HG Wells had more locks. And it always I'm very good at patterns, I'm very good at spotting. I'm not good at linear thinking. Math is not for me. Numbers are symbols to me. They have a meaning, but not numerically. Um, if I'm going to balance my checkbook, I'm going to say, hey, honey, can you give me a hand? Math is not my thing. Um, but the symbolic and esoteric nature, but the Morlocks, and I said, well, what, what's going on with the Morlocks and the Eloi? Now, you got your vampires, and they've been done a hundred ways to Sunday, and they're still being done. You got your orcs, you got your goblins, you got your fairies, you got your elves, and I get the the symbolic representation but what the hell are the morlocks and then it occurred to me all these secret powers have been building all these underground bases we hear about Is it possible, and I'm just saying is it possible, that the higher vibrational sun that is destroying the lower vibrational systems is going to force them to go Morlock because their low vibrational state can't exist and are guaranteed by the one thing that can guarantee in our realm the light of this world, which is the absolute definition of perfect, of yes, of anything that has to happen. Without fail, the sun is that representation. That's what I started to think about.
1: Damn, Krosiv seven seven seven. I think you may have done it with this. This actually is lighting me up so damn much because it is this separation, and it's a literal separation of worlds. They didn't build them to escape a cataclysm for everyone. They they left. They're building them to escape an environment in which they can't exist because it's too dope and awesome. I love this idea, man. This actually is my favorite so far. I will be repeating and quoting you on this, sir damn, man. I'm just borrowing the
0: ideas in the first place, to be completely honest.
1: Well, it, but it's an insightful view of this. And, and really, and I mean, now, now it's like rolling through the filters in which, you know, I kind of uh, choose to view this world in, which just change all the time. Um, and so now I'm even applying it to like the Dolores Cannon idea. Now, I'm not 100% in anything. I don't plant my flag. I, I have no idea what's going on here, but I really enjoy pinging between the ideas and having conversations like this. And had I been firm in ideas, I, it, would, it would, you know, enable me to have conversations like this. So, uh, but the idea of like this third D, 50, you know, this idea of this physical split and, you know, some people, you know, interpret that as like portals and shit, which sounds cool, but I I kind of think that your, your perspective is so much more practical, but it's still so damn awesome because yes, the sun is notably, and we've talked about it, man. The sun is notably more intense. Uh, it's different. It's higher vibrational. And you can see this and feel this all around you and the people That were, you know, once just so concerned about what the football trades were going on and the Real Housewives of whatever, but now they're kind of like going, hey, yoga's cool. You know, I'm a man still, but I do yoga. And it's like, yeah, dude, it's all all good. You know, it's like this complete shift mentally. And so to your idea then of that you need to be vibrationally ready for this, that's the only way you can physically stand this environment. That's fascinating,
0: dude. You know, you just touched on another idea. It was another thing that I was gonna make into like, I call them crow's laws, but they're, they're for me. Yeah. They're a thing that I call a law because it's sound. You can't poke a hole in it. And it was the idea that part of the synthetic attempted takeover, what they had to do is block you from writing your own story. So I began to realize that these scrying mirrors that we call smartphones, It's actually a scrying mirror, if you want to be honest about it, if you look about what's going on. What they do is every minute that you spend not writing your own story, someone else will write it for you. So every minute you spend paying attention to someone else's story, not only are you not writing your story, but basically they are writing your story at some level for you. And this could be immediately realized, just think of anything with a screen. If it's got a screen for the time you spend doing that, you are not writing your own story. Mostly someone might want to argue, well, I'm looking at my screen to send an email and I'm saying this, but wait, wait a minute. So partially you're writing your story, but that email told you when to begin and when to stop. Hmm. So don't tell me you're a hundred percent writing your story. And if you want to know the truth about a cell phone, which is the linchpin of everything that is happening to us, if cell phones vanished today, this would be over, hmm. over done. Turn off your cell phone so that it's not lit up, go outside and then look into the black screen. And then you will have learned what a cell phone is. It's basically a scrying mirror and it's basically here to, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab, I remembered, I think it's Matthew 530. Hold on. Matthew there it is okay so here here's what i want to add to what i just said matthew 5:30, and actually this is the niv which i don't appreciate i'm going to go grab the kjv just a second
1: you're all good hey guys uh check the uh, show notes for crow triple seven radio.com all the ways to find him located down there check his show out guys he's over on Rockfin as well which we are a part of so go check him out uh linked in the show notes i check it out i'm
0: having a little trouble getting to the kjv oh good brother this is a real time you're fine man Oh, there it is. Okay. So, Matthew 5.30. And I think this applies one-to-one with what I just told you cell phones are. We could not possibly be so hard put upon if we didn't have cell phones. It's what they were designed for, the smartphone. Matthew 5.30. And if thy right hand offendeth thee, cut it off Mm -hmm. and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew 530 is a perfect explanation of how you should be thinking about your cell phone and every screen you ever put your face in front of.
1: and honestly it's such a great metaphor for just attachment let's say an addiction to alcohol put the bottle down you know that's a member of you that's an extension of you smoking um any anything that's you know inhibiting your highest vibrational self then uh but i love when applying it to the metaphor of a cell phone it's way more again practical and apt it makes so much sense i absolutely love this dude damn man Okay, well, um, I'm going to let you run because you have another commitment. I want you to take a little break in between that. Um, so, Crow Triple Seven, all the ways to find you, located down in the Shonen sir. I can't thank you enough for this, man. You are welcome any damn time. Just keep moving forward, brother. Thank you for what you do.
0: Hey, I appreciate how you're doing things over here. I appreciate how you're doing things over here. And um, anytime you want me on, if I've got time, just tell Rose I told you as much. And everyone can find me at Crow777radio.com. That's all my stuff. Um, I only use social media to point at my website. Members get Shoot the Moon for free. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you, sir. Cheers
1: huge shout out to that man crow triple seven for coming and hanging out with this man amazing dude so y'all check the show notes for sure crow triple seven radio.com c-r-r-o triple seven radio.com uh check him out for sure guys uh again brother i cannot thank you enough man we will be doing a lot more of these so thanks again for your time Check them out again in the show notes, guys. Also, while you're down there, check out our resource links, Food, Forest, Abundance, Get Your Freedom from Fear on Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. If you want to start your own podcast, give yourself a voice, guys. We just partnered with Red Circle. Link's down in there titled Start Your Own Podcast. Uh, also the manifestor's guide could not recommend this dude enough if you really want to step your game up he has a scholarship offer just for you the listener of this show as well if you type in expanding reality all cats new spaces at checkout even sweeter deal now while you're doing all that down there there is a link titled "ExpandingRealityPodcast.com." and due to all the censorship and crow and i are in agreement with this this is why i keep saying hey Go check out the website. Uh, Check that link down there. That's where everything's at. That's links to all of the socials. That's the merch, if you feel cool to do that, which we got some really cool stuff with merch coming up. So stay tuned for that. Uh, And so that's where all that kind of stuff can be found. And it's just a central hub for everything, which that's what we're encouraging. And it is an aligned audience. So aligned participation is what we're after here. And that's what the expansive insider is all about. That's a great way to support the show tons of bonus content over there. And also if you just want to support the mission without, you know, subscribing and signing up for all the extra stuff, there's a link down there to do that as well. This being a value for value system, I'm truly grateful for everybody that finds value in this, that actually exchanges value in that way. It could not tell you how amazing that is. And it's more than the amount, it's the, it's the engagement. So uh, it's the belief, you know what I mean? So anyway, not to get all mushy on y'all, but there you go. So, um, Go out into this incredibly beautiful place, uh, whatever this thing is, guys, and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Uh, be nice to everybody that you come across. You know, buy somebody line around you a coffee or a meal, something small. goes a huge way in somebody else's life. Uh, also, get out of the left-hand lane because that's a huge pain in the ass. And while you're doing all that, above all and anything else, guys, go out into this beautifully mysterious and amazing place, whatever the hell this thing is. And y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, for engaging, for just being the coolest sons of bitches ever. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next time.